We're going to go tonight to Isaiah chapter 6, if you would please. Isaiah chapter 6. This is, uh, this is a very famous uh, reading. But it's, it's very powerful. I think there's some things in here that God could, could help us with. Isaiah chapter number 6. And if you're there, say amen. amen. Once again, to all of our guests and to all who are watching online, we're honored to have you tonight. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Amen? How many of you believe that's the same throne John saw? And one that sat on it, right? He said, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And if I could interject this, not to add to the word, but to make sense to those that are wondering, that the train of his robe filled the temple. The train of his garment filled the temple. And above it, above it, stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one angel cried unto another. And they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Praise God. Mine eyes have seen the King. The Lord of hosts. This chapter is so powerful. We're going to talk a little bit about it tonight. And hopefully somebody will be blessed before you leave here tonight by the word of the Lord. But I want us to take just a moment and seek the Lord and prepare our hearts for the word of God. Amen. If you would just take your Bible, your phone, whatever you're reading from, set it down. Let's sincerely lift our hearts and our hands to the Lord tonight. Let's ask that his word would... Be blessed in this place. Would you do that, Lord? Prepare my heart. Prepare my heart for your Jesus mighty name let the church shout amen Amen. come on shout it one more time shout amen Amen. praise God so be it so be it amen you may be seated in Jesus name 
Find somebody close to you, give them a fist bump, and tell them, Pastor's glad you're at church tonight. I wish sometimes y'all could stand up here um, and see why I love you precious people so much. When I read the Word of God and I look out in the congregation and people are smiling, and I know the Word of God brings you joy, it does my soul good. Aren't you glad that we're in a Word church? Praise God. I, I'm sorry. I, I know I'm getting off on the wrong foot. I'm not even preaching yet, but I'm preaching good. I don't want no empty religion. I don't want to belong to a social club. I can do that. I, go, I can go play at a country club and hang out with people. I, I'm glad to be in the church of the living God. I'm glad to be in the church of the living God. Praise the Lord. Man, I want to talk to you tonight from, from this subject. I'm going to stay as close to the context as I can. I want to talk to you just very simply for the sake of your remembrance from this. High and lifted up. High and lifted up. High and lifted up. Um, years ago, I preached uh, a sermon from this chapter. I, I know it was in this building, but it's been many years ago called uh, I saw also because Isaiah we can read through this this chapter and read you know that the year King Uzziah died was the marker in time in the year that King Uzziah died he said I saw also the Lord high and lifted up but there's more to it than just this is the time of marker uh, this does not just mean in the physical year that King Uzziah died in that same year, in 1994, the same year that so-and-so happened, I also had an encounter with the Lord. It is indicative of the idea that in the season of mourning, while I was mourning the death of King Uzziah, I also saw the Lord. Why is this important to us? Because it's powerful for us to take note tonight that in times of trouble, in times of brokenness, there can be an also. Yes, I saw the death of Uzziah. Yes, I saw mourning in the kingdom. Yes, I saw people whose hearts were shattered. Yes, my heart was broken, but I also saw the Lord. I also saw value in an encounter with God. Now, folks, just to be completely real with you tonight, uh, the way that we're wired whenever we're going through it, it's the worst it's ever been to anybody. Come on now. You can say amen or oh me. Whenever you're climbing the mountain, it's the steepest and the highest and the worst. Nobody's ever climbed a mountain like your mountain. It's just, that's the way we're wired. That's the way I'm wired. You, you know, you got a little bit of trouble in your life, but ain't nobody, ain't nobody ever been through what I'm going through right now. That is true in effect. It's, it's, it's not exactly like yours. You know, I've, I've seen many, many times well-intentioned people walk up to caskets while family members are standing there and say, I know exactly how you feel. No, you really don't. You, you, you really don't. You may have lost a spouse or you may have lost a child, but you don't know how they feel. 
Because when everybody's going through it, they go through it differently. You may have lost your mother, but you didn't lose their mother. You understand what I'm saying? It's like it, it, nobody really truly knows how you feel, but the way we're wired is that nobody's ever experienced it on the measure that we have. But you got to understand who King Uzziah was and why it was so, so troubling for Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is one of my favorite prophets. He is, uh, I, I call him uh, a messianic prophet. Isaiah had some of the most powerful messianic insight, whether it be Isaiah 9 and 6 that we talked about this morning. My Lord, there was a powerful move in here today. And uh, we talked about that this morning. We could talk about Isaiah 53. What a powerful example of messianic prophecy. That 600 years before Jesus is born and that name is given under heaven among men. That the prophet would take his pen and put it to parchment and say, He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we were healed. What a prophecy. This man speaking in past tense. Jesus has not even shown up on the scene in the flesh yet. His crucifixion has never happened. And Isaiah said, I see a promise in the distance that I can lay claim to that he was Wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity. I'm glad to tell you that everything Isaiah saw about the Messiah is still true today. I believe that with his stripes. Come on, do I have to spray that to the fifth row? I, I said I believe that with his stripes, we're still healed. Why, why is it important to look at the power of the ministry of Isaiah, because you need to understand that Isaiah was a powerful man. He was a man tapped into God. He was a man tapped into prophetic insight. He was a man connected to the heart of God. And he was also a man that was not so spiritual that he could not hurt. He wasn't so spiritual that he could not be broken in a time of brokenness in the year that King Uzziah died. He was a man that was moved of by the Holy Ghost and prophesied like no prophet that, that wrote about Jesus. He had insight that was so incredibly accurate, so amazing. The messianic prophecies that he had and the visions that he saw and the way that God moved. But when King Uzziah died, his heart was broken. His life was absolutely fractured. Now, you need to know something about Uzziah. Uzziah was one of the good guys. Uzziah was one of the good prophets, uh, one of the good kings. Uzziah was one of the powerful kings that was a God-fearing man. But over time, uh, it started going to his head, and Uzziah got a little bit ahead of God. He, he didn't walk in the calling of God. He started walking in the calling of man. And I don't have time to go into the full depths of exactly everything that Uzziah did, but ultimately at the culmination of his pride and the arrogance in his heart, as a king in Israel, he tries to fulfill the office of a priest. And the scripture said that he came in to the temple of God knowing that it was wrong for him to do it. 
and he tried to offer incense unto the Lord, which was the obligation of the priest and not of the king. And he started walking in an office that did not belong to him. And because of God's ground rules, I know some people look at it and say how tragic it is that God would be so judgmental. But understand, Uzziah did not offer incense without mercy first, offering to him that if you do this, you know the end result. God does not sit in the throne of heaven and look down on the earth just rubbing his hands together because he can't wait to damn the next person that does something wrong. The mercy of God put it before us that you know the way and you know what's righteous. But Uzziah, whether it's you or anybody else, if you try to walk in the office of the priesthood, the mercy of God will be lifted from you and the hand of God will be lifted from you. And when that happens, it's no telling what happens in your life. I was one of the good guys he feared the Lord until pride and arrogance got a hold of his life and he walked into a holy place to give a holy offering from a perspective that was not of God and the scripture said that he was stricken with leprosy and that he died a leprous man the tragedy of what could have been one of the powerful kings of Israel. But he allowed his flesh to, to interrupt the flow of what God was doing. And you can go through it and read and see the generations that were affected. And it's obvious that a whole nation was affected. Listen, I want to tell you something. It's important to know your lane. It's important to stay in your lane. It's important to know who you are in God. It's important to know what you've been called to do by God. It's important to function in the unction of God. It's important that you flow in the flow of God. It affects, listen, the collateral damage that happened in the kingdom of Israel because of one man's arrogance could never be measured it was somebody that refused to do what they were called to do and tried to do somebody else's job and when they did it affected the kingdom you know what we need we need some men and women that will get in a prayer room and they'll get they'll get to the place where they are confident to walk in the calling of God in their life we need our people in the kingdom of God to function in a calling that God called them to We've got to function in a way that we've been called. I've been blessed in my life, and I say that sincerely. I've been blessed in my life to be raised around construction. And I thank the Lord that it's not something I still have to do real, real frequently. But, you know, when you work at a job site and it's time to pull all the wire in the house, you usually don't call a plumber. When, it, when it's time to connect the power, you don't call a plumber. Who do you call? Well, that was judgmental. I mean, what would make you think you need to call an electrician? Because that's what he's qualified to do. Because you don't want to call the electrician to come hook up the plumbing. Unless he's a good plumber. That's kind of that's kind of like uh, should be on the application for being a pastor. You know it. <laughs> got to know how to do plumbing. Got to know how to do this and that. Thank God. I showed last work day. I showed up to the men. The men were ugly to me. I walked into work day. They said, Pastor, what are you doing here? 
I said, I, I came to work. They said, Pastor, go home. I said, okay. I was like, man, I get bossed around at home. I get bossed around at the church. Aren't you thankful for hardworking people in this church? I can walk through this church on a daily basis and put my hands on things and say, thank God for brother so-and-so. Thank God for sister so-and-so. Thank God for all these people that work around here. Come on now. We're blessed in this church. There's many things that transpire you'll never see anybody do, but it's done when you get here, and we thank God for it. But understand me when I tell you that there is some power in knowing what God has called you to do in his kingdom. God did not call Uzziah to be a priest. He was anointed to be a king. But when he tried to function in the office of priest, the word of the Lord said that he became a leper. Why was it so tragic? Because Uzziah was a king. If you read historically, you understand he was a man that listened to prophets. He was a man that listened to Zechariah, what Zechariah had to say. He was a man that heard the voice of God come through prophets until pride and arrogance ate him up. I'm taking a little time on the runway tonight, but I'm, I'm getting ready to take you somewhere. He was a man that broke the heart of God and he broke the heart of the people. And when he died, Isaiah the prophet is lamenting. And although we weren't there, you can sense it in the sorrow in his soul that more than likely Isaiah found a corner somewhere shaking his head with tears dripping off of his chin. And he said it didn't have to end this way. It didn't have to be this way. You didn't have to die like this King Uzziah. You didn't have to die. It didn't have to be like this. You know, I, I, I wish some way, somehow, I wish there was a way that we could, we could play uh, a future video role for somebody. I wish, Elder, that there was a way. That as we counsel and we try to walk with people and teach people, I wish there was a way that we could show them a video of the future. This is what it's going to look like if you do that. This is, this is what you have to lose if you don't obey the Lord. I wish we could tell young people and it makes sense to them. This is what you stand to lose if you give in to the pressure of fornication. Come on, somebody help me in here tonight. This is what you have to lose if you walk away from your family. This is, I wish we could show them, but the truth is sometimes you just got to stand at the word of the Lord that when the man of God said you don't want to walk down that road, that you'll trust somebody that's been down that road and thank God they were reconciled. I don't, I don't want to start moving too fast right here. I got to keep a pace and I, I, I want to help somebody tonight. Listen, I, I want to tell you young people something. At some point in Pentecost, we're going to have to break the cycle. Every generation does not need a backslider's testimony. We don't have to have young people backslide and give up their virginity and try little drugs and try little alcohol so that they can have a testimony. Take somebody's word for it that's walked that path. It's going to leave the same place for you that it was for them. You've probably heard me make reference to it in the past. But there's, there's, there is something that happens when you've been marked by God. 
that you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. My, my grandfather, Papa Bingham's older brother, Leon, who died when, when I was a pretty young kid, but we called him Uncle Tubby. That was just what, that's what the boys all called him was Tubby. And uh, obviously, uh, Uncle Leon was raised in the same house that Uncle Maxell and Papa R.B. were raised in. Same exact house. Same mother and daddy. Same, same preacher. Earl was raised in that house. And Earl died lost, a, wy a wino. He was 30 years old, fell over dead in his car. He was a cab driver, taxi cab driver. Died in his car, driving a taxi cab. And Leon, Leon got drafted and he went to the war, went to France. Walked away from the Lord and when he came home, I'm talking about even in my lifetime as an old man. He loved to fight and he loved to drink. And Leon, Uncle Leon, he was, he was a mess. I mean... I remember particularly one time he was telling my granddad that he had, he said, every now and then I just, I just like to get in a good fight. And he said, I went down this little bar and, and, and uh, my granddad knew where he was talking about in town there by Dyersburg. He said, I, I went down there and he said, I just had to get me in a little, a little brawl, you know, just had to get just, just a little bit. He said, Tubby, you're getting too old to be fighting like that. Well, he said, it wasn't no harm. Nobody was even hurt or mad. He said, just, it just feels good to get something started, you know. And uh, Uncle Tubby, he was, he was something else. And, and, and I don't know, there was, there was this constant contradiction in his heart. You've met people like him. But he was raised on the pews hearing his daddy preach. Same house that the other two boys, Uncle Max and my granddad, were raised in. But when he went to the war, something got cold in him. Something just, something wasn't right. And he came home, never did. He never did. Never, to my knowledge, and I'm not playing God here, okay? To my knowledge, he never did get things right with the Lord. He never did. He died lost as far as I know. I pray for the mercy of God that he didn't. But to our knowledge, he never, he never did get things right with the Lord. But I'm going to tell you what he did do, Brandon. He'd go down to those bars, and when he'd, get, when he'd get just drunk enough, they said that Leon Bingham would stand up in those bars, and he'd turn around in a drunken stupor, and he'd start preaching. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He was a drunk man, but there was something on his life that he could not shake. Young people, you don't have to believe me if you don't want to. Thank God. I don't have this testimony. Thank God I haven't left the church. I've made mistakes, but thank God I didn't leave. But there's some folks in here tonight that would be happy to tell you that there is nothing like serving the Lord. You can walk away from it. But the truth is, you may not make it back. There are people in this house tonight that made their trek back home. But not every prodigal makes it out of the pig pen. Some of them die in the pig pen. Some prodigals are stuck in the pig pen. Some prodigals get buried by the pig pen. Not everybody makes it back. Listen, we don't have to have a backslider's testimony to be relevant in this generation. What, what, 
what, what's your point, Pastor? I've come to tell some young people tonight, you can make it. I've, I've come to encourage somebody in this place tonight. You can make it. You can. God have mercy. I feel that right there. I said, you can make it in this house tonight. You don't have to give in to every temptation. You can stand up for God. When you look back, you're going to be so glad that you did. They say the crazy thing about history, the sad thing about history is that history repeats itself. And it's true. It's so very true. I could tell stories after stories. Good old camp meeting stories. Man, I've preached them all over the country. Good old stories about people that walked away. Last minute, I I preached the story in this church about the lady. Uh, I've tried to be as vague as I could to not incriminate any pastors, but this lady uh, down, down south. She'd been in the same church for 30-something years, 35 years if I remember right. And uh, she got crossed up with the pastor, got upset, and she walked up to the, to the platform just before church. And he, he stepped up to the pulpit, was getting ready to start church. And she leaned up to the, to the pulpit. He said, what is it, sister? She said, I just wanted to tell you, I'm never, I'll, I will never be back. He said, no, no, let's stay around here. Let's talk about this after church. She said, no, you heard me. I will never be back. He said, please, sister, don't say that. Don't. Please don't say that. He said, don't, don't, don't talk like that. He said, let's just, let's talk this out. Let's figure out what, what, what we can do. And she said, you heard what I said. I'll never be back. And I believe it was three or four days later, they wheeled her casket down the center aisle of that church that she said she'd never be back to. Lived for God for 35 years and missed it by three or four days. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I want to tell you that there's hope for every backslider, but not every backslider comes back. If you're in this house tonight and you're thankful that mercy found you, would you just give him thanks? Because not everybody makes it back. Come on, I, I want to help somebody in here tonight. Uzziah, you started well. You heard the voice of the prophets. But something got a hold of you and you started doing things that you knew you weren't supposed to do. And then people act surprised when God's mercy is lifted. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to get where I'm going or not tonight. This uh, Friday night, is this okay? I know this is slow for Sunday. Everybody okay? This Friday night, I was in Noblesville at Brother Tanton's church, which is formerly Brother Strevel's church. His son-in-law, Brother Tanton, is pastoring there now. Brother Cody Marks got to preaching on Friday night. And honestly, in that moment, if I could have translated him from that pulpit on Friday night to this one on Sunday night, I would have done it. And I'll, I'll never do justice to what he was saying but he he got my heart stirred up as he began to talk about the fear of the Lord brother Jordan was with me my two youngest babies were with me as he began to talk about the fear of the Lord and how the fear of the Lord is presented so many times and we have to guard ourselves listen I have never and I, I want this to be as crystal clear as it can be I have never ever ever 
had any regrets or been ashamed about living a life of separation and holiness ever. None. It is not a burden for me to be separated from the world. It's, it's simply not. But I will say this. That oftentimes separation is presented in such a manner that everything has to be black or white and heaven and hell. And the reason you don't do that is because you're going to go to hell if you do it. And it's created this fear where people are scared of God but they don't really fear the Lord. There are things that I do and don't do. And there are things that I preach and teach in this church that some people look at and they're like, why, dude? It's just, I mean, like, it's no big deal. That ain't going to send you to hell. And I think people are missing the point of what it means to walk in the fear of the Lord. It doesn't mean that just as soon as you do it, that you're going to turn into some kind of uh, uh, ashes because you, you burned up from the inside out and hell got a hold of you right there just because you did it. And because of this, it has led to... Uh, uh, I, I want to say this as lovingly as I can, but it's led to an arrogance in a generation because they taste a little bit of what they were told was forbidden. And when they taste a little bit of it, it does not destroy them immediately. So they gain confidence. Boy, I hope I'm making sense. They're told all their life, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. So they're like, let me just try a little bit. They try just a little bit, and they come back over here, and they try. Feels so good. And then they're they're in church, and all of a sudden this voice said, see, you weren't consumed. You got by with it. And so they go back the next time. It's a little bit more. And they're like, whoa, that actually felt a little better. I was told all my life we didn't dress like that. But when I put that on. So we put this thing in people that you got to do it out of the fear of the Lord. That as soon as you do it, if you, man, I'm telling you, as soon as you walked into that concert the, the, the throngs of hell are going to grab you by the feet and your toenails are going to melt because it's so hot. And Oh, my God, first time you take a drink. I'm going to tell you, when I was a boy, when I was a boy, I was scared to death. I, I, I was absolutely scared to death. I used to have this thing in my mind that just as sure as I picked up a bottle, and you don't ever have to worry about it, alcohol makes me want to puke. But just as soon as I picked that bottle up and put it to my lips, that I knew as soon as I, as soon as I tipped it up and touched it to my lips, the trumpet was going to sound. That's, a, that's the way I, I was like, oh, God. Somebody said, you want to go to someone? Say, oh, Lord, God, no, just as, just as sure. I'll buy that ticket. And just as soon as I step through the gate and walk in there and sit down, bam, bam, da, da. Anybody else? <laughs> Go ahead and cross that line with that young girl. It's okay. Go ahead, cross the line. No. Because I knew one or two things was happening. Jesus was coming or the birth control wasn't going to work. Was that, was that too harsh? Hey, I'm just telling you, I was like, God, I just know. This is the way I, this is the way I felt. 
I just know as soon as I go to that place, I'll walk in there, Lord, and I'm going to give my heart over to that just as sure as I do. I'm going to... I'm going to look up, and there goes my mother and my daddy and my grandmother and my granddaddy. And I'm like, oh, God, I did it just one time. But it kept me living right. It kept me living right. I'm, I, I, I want to tell you, and please, please don't, don't, please, God, please don't put words in my mouth. I don't mean this derogatory. I thank the Lord for the fear of the Lord that was put in me. But I want you to understand there are worse things that can happen in this present world. Man, I need this to get to somebody tonight. Baby dog, come here. I won't do you like Brother Marks did. Brother Marks the other night, and I'm giving him full props. We were just texting yesterday. What a powerful word. But Brother Marks grabbed hold of these two boys on the platform, two young preachers. And he began to talk about holiness, man. He grabbed them by their suit. They had nice suits on. I wanted to lean up to Brother Clark Copeland and say, Bo, you need a cheap suit like mine because he's going to tear that one up. Hey, you just move with me so I don't tear you up. Because I ain't buying you another dress. You hear me? She said, I have money. Brother Mark said, this is how we present holiness to people. Don't you do that or God's going to drag your hide. Well, I, I just want to try it once. Okay. So God's going to drag. He's going to just put his hands on you, grab hold of you, and drag your hide to hell. But I, I was like, wow, man, it's so true. And I've preached along these lines, but this, this did something to me. I came home. I, I told my wife about it when she came home from women's conference. It did something to me, Brother Jordan, for I did something to me. When Brother Marks began to weep as he was preaching and he said, I know that we've told our kids this is how God, this is the image they got of God. You better live right. You better live right. He said, but something worse could happen right now. He said, what if the thing you do is not the thing that causes this? What if it's the thing that causes this? What do you mean? That the hand you were so afraid it was going to drag you to hell? He said, what if what you're doing doesn't drag you to hell at all? What if it's the thing that causes God to lift his hand off of you? Y'all feel what I felt. God, don't take your hand off of me. I am tired of people feeling like standards of holiness are the thing. Listen, guys, listen to me. What we have in this church is because God's hand is on us. Do y'all hear me? It's because God's hand is on us. And I don't, I don't just preach it because I'm scared if you go to that game, you're going to hell. I preach it because I don't want that to be the thing that causes God to lift his hand up off of this church. 
I preach what I preach because I believe that this city needs a soul saving station that has the hand of God on it and if we acquiesce to every wind that blows listen I don't believe everything we do or don't do will send me to hell but what if we have to live the rest of our lives without the hand of God on us Instead of making excuses to our kids, well, you don't have to do that. It's just, just don't ever let Pastor know we did it. What would happen if parents would just get bold and grandparents would just get bold? And Sister Haney, we'd look them babies in the face and say, sweetheart, the reason why we're not going to do that is because we don't want God to lift his hand off this church. I... I I don't want God. To, why, why don't hey, Pastor? Why, when, when are you going to start letting us, uh, letting people that wear that do that on the platform? You don't understand. This ain't my church. This is God's church, and God's hand is on this church. And I'm not about to start walking in offices that don't belong to me. You can do, you can do it if you want to. You can find another pastor that'll let you wear that and do that and sing and preach and do whatever. But I want God's hand on me. I want God's hand on my children. I want God's hand on this choir. I want God. I want God's hand on us. What if it's not the thing that causes him to drag me away? What if it's the thing that causes him to turn me loose? Holiness becomes different when you start looking at what your life would look like, Sister Sawyer, without his hand. You were one of the good kings, Uzziah. You heard the word of the Lord. But because the first time you tried it, God didn't pick you up by your kingly garment and drag your hide to hell. But now you're going to know, Uzziah, what it feels like to try to be a king in God's country without the hand of God on you. So when God lifted his hand, became a place for the sickness of leprosy to dwell listen folks I'm not saying this with pride I mean this there is going to be a distinct difference beyond what just people see in the end time church with the holiness movement there is going to be a difference for people that have paid the price Because whatever kind of tribulation or whatever we have to live through, I'm going to tell you this much is what I know. If I have to go through any, and I hope we don't, Brother King, but if I do, I don't want to walk through tribulation without his hand on me. Are are y'all hearing me tonight? God, I don't want to walk through something like COVID 
with all of this sickness and the corruption and the darkness and the you can feel the satanic. I don't want I don't want to walk through that and God say, you know what? You guys didn't care about it until that came along. I'm just gonna lift my hand off of you. If you can, if you can do it on your own, then good luck with it. You know what happens? When he lifts his hand off of you, leprosy was the most deadly disease of that day. It caused people to be separated from their families. Go, if you don't believe it, go through some of the stuff people think is boring in Leviticus and just read about what it looks like when the priest has to tell you you got leprosy. And they got to look at the sword. And if it's white in the middle, got a white hair growing out, goes through all. It, then you got three days, go seven days. When you come back after that, the white hair is still there. It's, it's leprosy. Then they got to leave their family. If they had it in their house, they got to tear it down. They got to get it out because it's in the walls of the house. What are you saying, Pastor? Oh, God. I'm trying to help somebody right now. When all this happens, it doesn't just affect what happens at church. When you are a leper, the walls of your house got consumed with it. Everybody that was with you was affected. Your wife was affected. Your kids were affected. You got isolated and had to move out. It didn't have to be that way, Uzziah. And I know Isaiah sitting in the corner somewhere saying, God, why? Why, 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 why? God, why did it have to be like this? And his heart is broken. And his life is forever changed because the king now of Israel. Oh, oh God, why did it have to be like this? It had to be like this because Uzziah would rather be right and do what he wants to do. And, and, and be justified in his action, then he would have the hand of God on him and on the kingdom. So don't look at me and say, I can't take all this holiness stuff. You guys live too hard. You, got, you, got, you, just, you just ask too much. Listen, I'm going to tell you folks tonight, and I want it to be crystal clear from the heart of your pastor and shepherd. Don't expect me to do anything that's going to cause God to lift his hand off of this church. Oh, I bet if you did, you'd get more people. I bet if you did, you'd get... Well, I, would, I want to invite somebody into a church where there's no hand of God. Bible said that Isaiah in the year that King Uzziah died I saw also the Lord high somebody say high and lifted up seated upon a throne listen I want to make something clear to you tonight from this chapter that I've never really paid much attention to before but whenever there was a vacancy of the throne of Israel, that's when God let Isaiah see the throne that was filled with his glory. Sometimes God has to empty thrones in your life for you to be able to see his throne. God has to remove men from thrones in your kingdom. For you to see the throne in his kingdom. If that throne would have never been vacant. 
then Isaiah wouldn't have been able to see his throne and him high and lifted up. But here's what I've come to preach to you tonight, and I hope I can get there. But I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to move, and if it breaks out, so be it. Y'all hear me preach on a weekly basis. I want to tell you tonight what I've come to preach to you is that when Isaiah's heart was broken because Uzziah died as a fool, he died in a way that he didn't have to die. He died with the hand of God lifted off of his life. He died with his family in tragic ending because he was a leper and was separated from his family. Here he was a king and had to live like a pauper, and he died as a leper, and Isaiah's heart was broken. But the scripture said that when that happened, he looked up and he saw the Lord high and lifted up. The other day I was praying and this is where this message came from. I was here at the church praying and I said, God, I want to see you. I pray this often. I said, Lord, I want to see you high and lifted up. Lord, I want to see you high and I want to see you lifted up. And the Lord spoke to me immediately while I was praying. And he said, whether you see me or not, I'm already high and lifted up. He said, son, that was not a position that I assumed when Isaiah's life fell apart. He said, I was high and lifted up while Uzziah was on the throne. But sometimes you got to... You got to get to a place of revelation where you can see past the end of your nose in order for you to know I don't just get high and lifted up while everything is breaking in your life. I was high and lifted up before it fell apart. He was high and he was lifted up, but he was high and lifted up before Isaiah saw him. Ooh, I want to help you here tonight. Where's God? Where is he now? My life is in chaos. Where is he? Job said, I looked to the right and couldn't find him. Looked to the left, looked behind me, looked in front of me, couldn't find him. Oh, where'd he go? Oh, he's where he's always been. Whoa, there he is, Lord. Thank God, thank God. Whoa, finally, whoa. Finally got high and lifted up. No. I've always been been high and lifted up. You're just now seeing it for the first time. If he is high and lifted up enough to see what's going on in Isaiah's life. Can I help somebody in here tonight? He is high and lifted up enough to know right where you are tonight. He is a God that sits high but he looks low. Oh, pastor, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. But you need to see also. You're not going to see him right down here in all this trash that some have called a treasure. David said, I look under the hills. Why? Because he is high and he is lifted up. But he was high and lifted up before the trouble ever came. He's high. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. There is a special anointing in here tonight. I don't know how to explain what I'm feeling. But there's something special. If somebody's getting some revelation in this room, that this is really not about legalism and judgmentalism. And all oh, these people, man, they just, they just dress so weird. Listen, I'm going to tell you, we want the hand of God on us. And we want the hand of God on this church. And we want the hand of God on our children. We want the hand of God on everything that we do. But if his hand is going to be on us, we've got to find out where his hand is coming from. 
It's coming from high places. Can you imagine the things that we let put, it, put, put their hands on our babies? We wonder why they're struggling. Come on, I'm here. I might as well preach. We set our kids in front of TVs for hours and let them be entertained by witches and warlocks that dress up in cute little tutus, put on cute little glasses, but they're really sorcerers. Oh, it's harmless. So they make them little cute little blue smurfs. But Gargamel, the one that's always stirring up the pot, you know? You know what he is? He's a warlock. You know what Gargamel is? I wouldn't encourage you to go searching it up, but I can tell you, I've dealt with enough witchcraft in my life. Gargamel is an, is an angel of death. It's a demonic spirit of death. And Gargamel was babysitting our children through the 80s. Several years ago, there was a bunch of junk that came out. And some, some of our young people started trying to get together. And if you're here tonight and you were one of them, I'm sorry if it offends you. But it's still as true now as it was then. They got to watching this stupid junk about these uh, vampires falling in love with humans. And, oh, just couldn't resist. You, it's, a, it's a picture painted perfectly of the spirit world. It's going to, the, the, the demonic and the dark is going to be so seductive. That you're not going to be able to resist. Ooh, so let's get together and have a party. I'm going to tell you, that's the kind of party right there that causes God. And then when nothing happens, you're like, see, pastor, pastor, he's just crazy. He just doesn't want us to have fun. Go have all the fun you want to have. But we're not going to let God lift his hand off this church. I'm not looking to the hills of Hollywood. I'm looking to a throne. <laughs> and he's high. And he's lifted up. He's lifted up above adultery. He's lifted up above fornication. He's lifted up above witchcraft. He's lifted up above athletes and ball players and idolatry. He's lifted up. When you try to bring church friends into it, all we're doing is trying to reach up and grab hold of the throne of God and say, come on, go with us. No, I'm going to tell you what, you're wanting an endorsement. You're wanting somebody else to walk down the road with you. But I hope to God some people, some of you young people, get bold enough and brave enough to say, if that's what you want to do, go do it. But I want to keep his hand on me. so many places we could go right here I'm telling you but I just I feel a check in the Holy Ghost there's somebody here that's been wrestling with the, been wrestling with the why you see the what but you've been wrestling with the why God I, I, I see I, I see that they live differently I, I see that but why 
tonight the revelation is about to settle on you in this place. God will help you with the how. And God will help you with the why. If you'll just sell out to the what. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. God have mercy. I feel so much Holy Ghost in here right now. It's like I just walked through a cool breeze up here. I just feel the presence of God. Mother and daddy, why do we do this? Mother, why don't we go there? Because we love it, baby. Because we love God. Because we want the hand of God on us. Because we don't want to be carnal. Because we don't want to be led around by our nose. We want to see him. And he is high. And he is lifted up. And his train fills the temple. He's not just now deciding to let that train fill the temple. It's always filled the temple. He's always been high and lifted up. But he said, Isaiah, now that the throne of your life is empty, now you can see that I am high. Uh, I just want to take a minute right here and rest in the Holy Ghost. Come on. Let's reach out for the Lord right now. You may have been feeling the tug of this old world. I told you this morning that the devil doesn't have to make you hate heaven. He just has to make you love this world. That's all he's got to do is make you fall in love with this old world. And heaven won't sound near as good. But somebody in here is getting it in your heart right now that heaven sounds so much better. That I'll do whatever i got to do to make it. Whatever I've got to do to keep the hand of God on my life. I'm going to do it. Oh. Oh, God. As you start reading through the scripture, you can find the principle time after time after time. The Bible said that when the ark of God became unsteady, that Uzzah reached his hand. This is not Uzziah. This is Uzzah. When Uzzah reached his hand up to steady the ark, the Bible said that the Lord let him die right there. In the invisible world, what you could not see is that when man tried to put his hand on God's stuff, God lifted his hand off the man. And we've got to be so careful. Pastor, do you, do you, you mean you're, you're not afraid of hell? Well, yeah. But I want to go to heaven more than I'm afraid of going to hell. Does that make sense? Sure, I mean, hell's, it, it, hell's in my vernacular. It's part of what, what I talk about. But it's not just some alternative. Well, if you don't get heaven, then you get... No, no, no. I want to go to heaven so bad that I'm going to do whatever I have to do. Wherever I've got to move my kids out of, whatever I've got to get my family away from, I'm talking about I'm, what, whatever I've got to do. If I've got to move a, a place, if I, whatever I've got to do, I want his hand on me. 
Oh, God. I'm afraid I, don't, I, I'm afraid I can't preach any further tonight. I've hit a wall in the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody that's been in, in arguments in the spirit. God, I don't understand why we got to keep doing it. I don't, I don't understand why. And I know people point out, oh, it's just legalism. It's just, no, it's not. We want the hand of God on us. We want the hand of God. Thank you, church. We want the hand of God. We want the, we want the hand of God. We want the hand of God on me. I want the hand of God on Reagan. I want your hand. God, put your hand on my babies. Put your hand on my girls, God. Put your hand on my girls, God. Put your hands on my wife, God. Put your hand on our marriage. Put your hands on this church, God. Don't lift them. I know this is not your typical Sunday night, but I feel the Holy Ghost moving and working in here right now. Uh, it may not make sense to anybody but you just got to hear my heart and don't misunderstand what I'm saying I'm more afraid to live my life without God's hand on me than I am to spend eternity in hell that may not make sense to anybody but I, I'm more afraid to know what it's like to go through this life without his hand. Jesus. Do you know what makes hell so terrible? I'll tell you what makes hell so terrible. I was thinking about this just this week. Yes, it's flames. Yes, it's falling. Yes, it's weeping, gnashing of teeth. But I'm going to tell you what's going to make hell so terrible. Is it's a place that for the rest of eternity, his presence will not be there. It will be a place that is void of God's presence. If you can learn to live without his presence right here, you can guarantee you're headed to live eternity without his presence. But if you can't live without his hand right now, you'll do whatever you got to do to get his hand on your life and you'll keep his hand on your life and you'll make it in eternity in his presence because you'll make it to the city where the lamb is the light. Keep your hand on us, God. Keep your hand on us, God. Uh, come on, young people. Pray till you pray through in the Holy Ghost. Come on, mother and daddy. Pray through till you pray through in the Holy Ghost. Come on, grandmother. Come on, granddaddy. Pray till you pray through in the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody cry out tonight until you touch God. Lord, whatever you got to do, keep your hand on me. Keep your hand on me. Keep your hand on me. 
Keep your hand on me. Lord, if your word says I got to be baptized in your name and filled with your spirit to have your hand on me, put your hand on me. I'll do what I got to do, God. If your word says I got to live holy and separated to keep your hand on me, God, then keep your hand on me.